Welcome to Newborn to Teen and Everything in Between, the podcast from Bespoke Family. I'm Bex. And I'm Claire. Thanks for joining us as we tackle the ups and downs of life with children, helping you to get the best out of your time together. No rules, no judgment, just guidance. So grab a cuppa and let's get started with today's episode. Hello and welcome to this episode of Newborn to Teen and Everything in Between. Um, So today we're going to be talking about different styles of parenting and partly um, how styles have changed, the fact that there are absolutely loads of different styles. In fact, there's a whole menagerie of different (laughs) animals that you could potentially be parenting like. Um, So I think, you know, you're going to just explain a little bit about why we decided to do this particular podcast ended up having conversations with people as you do when um, we were looking at just chatting about having children and lots of conversations what do you do when maybe you and your partner if you are in a relationship and have had a child how do you manage different parenting styles and approaches and how do you and if you are a solo parent then actually how do you cope with other people around you relatives friends who potentially help you with parenting your children and they have a different approach and so it it can be anything like and i think typically it comes down to kind of risk and play and so going to the park one parent might be like yeah go and explore you know go and climb that if you want to I'm going to be here and help you another parent be like no that's too difficult for you to do um you might fall you might do this you might do that and don't let that child out of their sight and it just came about from these conversations of how do we manage that aspect of potentially being on slightly different pages with the people who are helping you to parent and then also what kind of parent styles do you have and how can we look at those in the benefit of our children and how can sometimes some of our approaches actually impact our little ones um and I think you know we talk about resilience quite a lot that sometimes the way we might parent can actually impact on how resilient our children are because if they're never going to try something and fail at it there's not that bounce back there's not that ability to go oh I need to try again. We want our children to have that to come through. It's a massive life skill. And I think we've potentially become quite cotton-woolly in some aspects, with certain aspects of how we parent children. We don't want them to do certain things in case of... And I'm I'm certainly not saying, I'm just going to put this out there now, I'm certainly not saying let's, you know, let our children run wild and let's not worry about them and let them just climb up anything and do anything. That's not what I'm saying. But I think we have become very risk averse and we have become very much about kind of helping our children with everything. And sometimes they just need to have a bit of a struggle in order to then overcome something. And so that's mainly what we're going to kind of chat about mm. today, I think. Just as you've been talking, I've been thinking about the f- how um, our own parenting, mm-hmm. like, as in, sorry, how we were parented, yep. influences the way we are. And I was just thinking to myself, what kind of parents were mine, for example? And of course, 
I have to kind of caveat this by saying I'm not criticising them just in case either <laughs> of them are listening but um, at all. But I do remember kind of being very much left to my own devices. I mean, I went to boarding school, so there was kind of, that was also kind of quite a big chunk of my life where I potentially didn't have a parent. And so you kind of were given different things. However, I feel that when I was at school and had very, very clear boundaries as to what I could and couldn't do, I was that was for me and even now I'm a very very much a rule follower so I like a I like a little rule I like to know where I am but my parents were not like that at all so I always remember like going out for example this is like not when you're little so obviously we're going to be talking a little bit more about and I don't really remember that but I do remember being sent off when I was little you know to the shops and being able to just go and walk mm-hmm. on a road and not really they wouldn't really worry about it mm-hmm. and but I remember as a teenager everybody else was like right we've got to be home by like half past 10 like in the school holidays when I was at home got to be, and I'd be like well I haven't got to be home at all you know, nobody's told me. And in fact, I was always home earlier because I didn't have anything to rebel against. But I feel that I would now be much more resilient and much more bounce backy, which is what you were just talking about, Mm -hmm. had I been given a a little bit more structure. So it was almost like Mm -hmm. they went completely the other way and didn't give me any kind of boundaries at all. And they were happy for me to do whatever. Um... They weren't, but on the other end of the spectrum, they weren't super strict in terms of telling me what. I kind of needed something in the middle. And then I think about how I parent my own children. Mm -hmm. And I think that I'm probably much more kind of protective of them and have always been quite of that, a bit more of that helicopter parent. Sometimes they look at me even now and go, what? Like, why are you asking me this? And I've obviously got my... um, life 360 stalker app as I call it so so literally one of them well they've been on their driving lesson and they're like so we went this place and I'm like yeah I know it's all on my it's all on my phone (laughs) yeah but I'd also just we're just going to put this out there you even wanted me on that so that you could see where I was when I'm it's all about Safety. making sure you're safe. Claire, that was yes. it. That is how it was sold in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, needless to say, you haven't ever accepted my, my uh, and nor has Rich, I have to say. Right. He won't go on it either. No. <laughs> but it's, you know, even if you and I are in London or we're away doing stuff and you get a notification, oh, that that's good, Ben's home. It's like, wow. Like, you proper yeah, have a stalker out. But weirdly, they all... They do also check in quite a lot as well because they're used to knowing, almost I think it's because they're used to knowing that I like to have that mm-hmm. and they kind of quite like to know that I like it sort of thing. But I do think the way that, you're par- the way that you are parented yourself yeah. has an influence, whether it has an influence on you doing the same or whether it kind of makes you into some, you kind of think, well, I don't really want, because I don't ever want to be that parent that doesn't, like my mum used to say, don't ring me, because if you don't ring me, as in if I tell you to ring and then you don't ring, I'll worry more. She always used to say that. Whereas I think I want to know Mm -hmm. if someone's home or not you know I mean my children will forget to text me so I'll probably have to end up ringing are you home or are you but you know I think you kind of know what you didn't respond very well to and so there and then you start to go well actually I want them to be a bit more you know Mm -hmm. like that yeah 
And I think it's also when you're parenting your children, you know, you want them to be as safe as possible. You want them to be as happy as possible. And so you're not going to do things that mean you're going to be there to protect them. You are going into protective mode. And that's absolutely understandable. But it's also going at some point that protective mode and that safety mode that you are in has to be able to teach your child how to cope in situations and that actually they you can't be there for every single situation and so how are you going to give them the skills in order to manage those situations while so ultimately in those very early years and when they're kind of really under the kind of age of 10 11 you are teaching them to have these life skills for later so it is that ability to be there to guide and ultimately step in if you have to but actually it can start with such simple things like even just putting their own socks on and we can be like right I'll just do it because you're finding it tricky and it is annoying if you can't get your socks on properly but actually are you there going it's okay let's just move it around now try this bit and then allowing them to finish it. That sense of achievement of being able to do it themselves and that being able to do something independently for themselves is a great motivator to keep trying at things. So, and that's what you want. You want them to be trying things in their education. You want them to be trying things in their friendships. You want them to be trying. And we don't want children who go, I can't do that because I haven't got my adult there or we also don't want our children to be like it's okay because there's always my adult there and you might not be there that one day where actually they need you so it is giving those skills and we talk about that kind of helicopter parenting and that's a term that's out there but there are there are dangers to that and I think we have to be aware of how we parent and like you said we how we parent is very much about how we were parented so we either go down the same similar route or we go to an opposite route or we pick and choose bits out of it Um, and then it's also environmental it's also about who you are having your children with or parenting your children with that will all have an impact as well But before we started recording, we were talking about the fact that what has changed? Because I used to go out and, you know, I used to go with friends, we used to go on our bikes and we didn't have a phone. We didn't, our parents didn't have stalker apps. We just got on our bikes and we went off. And, but why were my parents not absolutely petrified of where I was what I was doing they just knew I would come home and so I just it blows my mind of where we are now and what's changed but but there is like a there's almost like a spectrum isn't there there's like there's completely let your children run wild give them no boundaries whatsoever Mm -hmm. at the other end of the spectrum there's like 
literally watch their every move. Mm-hmm. You manage every aspect of their lives. You book things in for them. Every moment of their day is filled by something and you know exactly what it is. Yep. Or like you've just talked about, you're in the middle where you give them like you, you give them the life skills, you give them those opportunities to make choices, mm-hmm. you give those them those opportunities to be able to take risks mm-hmm. um, without hovering over them, but equally without just leaving them to just go, okay, well, let's just see what happens because mm-hmm. that is blimming scary. And I do feel that I was kind of on the lower end of that kind of scale in terms of being left just to go, see what happens, you'll be fine. And I'm not saying that there's anything, you know, some children do thrive on that kind of parenting. There's also certain activities and certain things that you can do that with. And it's like, do you know what? You manage your risk and you look at it and you go, but it's also about trust. A child needs to feel that they are trusted to try something. If we constantly go, don't do that because it will do this. For example, I wouldn't go and play with that water. It's been outside all night and it's going to be really cold. You know, and no, you're not allowed to play with it. Do you know what? There's a little bit of me that would be like, it's going to be super cold. It's been out here all night. Obviously, this talking winter. Um, And see... You know, if you want to try it, try it, but you're going to, you're going to know. But without trying it, how does that child know? The next time they come to it and you're not there, they're going to want to try it. And then they're like, I'm cold and everything else. It's like, yeah, you are. And that's because of this, this and this. But as long as they're safe doing it, there's an element where they've got to know what it feels like. You know, if you go on there, it's going to be really slippy if it's icy or if you do this, this is going to potentially happen. You can advise and go, okay, do you want to try climbing up there? Let's see where your feet need to go. I'm here if you need me. Um, but you might not get to the top because that might be a little bit too high. But see how you go. And it's just allowing. Lots of people talk about, you know, not Uh, children holding hands and all of those sorts of things when walking absolutely fine but also give them the opportunity to not hold hands and be when you're on a safe road or in a you know not in a built-up area whatever it might be and going okay you can do you want to scoot to the next lamppost and you need to wait for me there and it's so hard but sometimes you hear people going you can go to the lamppost And the child's just getting to the lamppost and you hear, stop, you need to stop. And it's like, you just have to hold for a little bit longer to see if they're going to stop because that whole phrase changes. That stop, you need to stop at the lamppost changes to, wow, amazing, great listening. You stopped at the lamppost. Thank you so much for listening to me. Because that is a totally different conversation. You're putting trust in them and it's and you've got to practice that because actually it makes a huge difference. And I would always kind of link it back to like a work environment. If your boss never lets you try something new or, you know, we've all worked in environments where it's gone, well, we've always done like this. 
no, that doesn't work. No, you won't be able to do that because this. But actually, if you have an environment that goes, you know what? Absolutely. If you want to give it a go, give it a go. We found in the past this has happened, but you might have a new way of doing it. It just changes the dynamic. And I think we have got to think about how we approach things with our children. If we micromanage them, one, they rebel because actually they're not. For some children, they will rebel. Some children just won't bother trying because they get the mindset of, I'm not going to get it because they've got to get it the first time and it's got to work because they haven't got the bounce back. Um, And you have children who will respond very, very differently to those approaches. And we have got to think about our approach and taking a breath before we sometimes react and it's a tricky one but having a conversation with the person that you parent with or people that you parent with going earlier in that situation I would have maybe let them just give that a go what we've done by not letting them have a go is are they going to try it next time or are they going to, you know, have those conversations, be open and honest. It's learning, you know, it's learning for everyone, but it is kind of going, have we done the right thing in the way we're doing X? Because it is a constant review as they get older, giving a bit more responsibility, maybe a bit more independence. And then that leads on to that self-esteem, self-confidence, and all of those sorts of things that make a huge difference in every aspect of life. If you have good self-confidence, you have strong self-esteem, you're resilient, you are going to be in a very different place. But what if you are that parent that is the one that is really worried all the time Mm -hmm. and the one that kind of watches your children in the playground thinking, oh my goodness, they're climbing up to the top of that really tall thing. I need to go and get them or I need to shout to them. You need to stop now. You need to come down because that's too high. You mustn't do that or don't run across there. You're going to fall over. Like if you're that parent, how do you stop yourself from like from telling from shouting to them? Because there are I mean, I know in our relationship, definitely Rich had to teach them how to ride their bike because there's no way. I mean, I just hated watching them go and, you know, watching Amy and she did fall off. Mm -hmm. But she did get back on again, you know, but I absolutely hated that thinking she's wobbling, she's wobbling. Right. Stop, stop. Get her off. You know, know, that he's like, I'll go by myself because this isn't (laughs) going to work. You know, (laughs) I'll take them on my own. But you've kind of had that conversation. Like I just said, you know, you recognised in that moment you're not the best person to be teaching your children to learn to ride because you're putting your own thoughts and feelings into that rich had a different approach and they both learned to ride their bike you know and so it is about knowing and i think this is a lot of knowing your triggers like what is it that's worrying you the most and it's the okay what in your in your thought process what is make you know making you react this strongly Like, what is the worst that could happen and the likelihood of that happening? And actually then pulling it back and looking... So if you are at the playground and everything else and they have climbed up, 
it's going, how can I be there? Rather than the, okay, you've gone too high, I don't know how you're going to get down, blah, 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 all those sorts of things. It might be turning around and just saying, wow, that was amazing. Look at how high you've got. I am so, you know, I'm so impressed. That was such great climbing. How are you feeling now you're up there? How, you know, where are you going to go now? And they might be like, yeah, I don't know how to get down now. And you go, oh, okay. Right, well, should we work it out together? Let's have a think. Now, inside, you could just be like, ah, I wish they hadn't climbed up there. But that sense of achievement of getting up there, now you just have to problem solve getting them down and you problem solve with them. But I think it's before you react. It's a bit like the lamppost thing that I said. It's just that moment of going, hold on, they're doing okay. And if we're constantly going, stop, don't, you know, we have got to be there going, oh, you know, or they pause, allow them to pause, allow them to have a frustrated moment. Frustration leads to them being upregulated to try a bit harder. And actually, if they get really frustrated, you're there to go, yeah, it's really tricky. I can see that that's really hard. Do you want me to help? Let me see. You know, if we put our foot here, do you think that would help you? It's not you going, don't worry about it. Let's go on something else. <laughs> let's not bother. Um, <laughs> it's going, okay, well, let's see. Or maybe we we leave that for today and maybe we come back to it tomorrow and let's have a think about how we can do it. Or maybe we need to practice. Maybe we practice on the stairs. Whatever it is, it is just taking a pause and going, this is m- my thing that I have to work through. I can't put it on my child and I have Mm. to allow them you we have to remember we've had opportunities to try these things because that's why we know about them and Mm. I will be completely honest as we get older our awareness of risk gets so much I never realized how much it increases like I've always heard (laughs) grown-ups talk about it but now I am one I'm like, yeah, actually, you know, and I would say when I was a nanny in my 20s, I certainly didn't see risk like I see risk now in my, whatever I am. Yeah, um, why do you think that is? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I suppose there's a, we've got greater awareness of stuff, like our brain development is much more, you know, we've we've gone through that up until the age of 25, we're still very much about kind of learning our skills. We don't have, you know, that same level of risk because if we did, we wouldn't try anything. And so then I suppose as we get older, Mm -hmm. we see things, we hear things, we've experienced things. And so we then go into protective mode. And the way we see it protecting is potentially stopping. And there, that isn't how we protect. We well, teach. I mean, that's the thing. You, you, re- I remember. Um, Rich always tells me the story of when he was younger. He wanted a motorbike when he was sixteen, and his parents were like, "Nope, you can't have a, you can't have one. We won't help you pay for it, and you're not having it." 
But he saved up, he got his motorbike and he started riding it. I think his dad even said, and I won't let you drive my car. If you get a motorbike, you're not getting the run of the car kind of thing, which is a bit like, oh, you know, Mm -hmm. if I wanted to take. So he did it. But it's interesting now, because at that time, like you say, his brain was completely risk, you know, he wasn't that, he wasn't worried about the fact that he was on a motorbike and it was, you know, risky. But now Ben, same age, is like, I'd love it. I mean, he, to be honest, he just, he, he wants to be able to drive a car as well. So he would like a motorbike and a car. <laughs> but, you know, Ben's like, I really don't, sorry, Rich is like, I really don't want him to have a motorbike. And I'm like, yeah, but he's the same age as you when your parents said that you couldn't have one. And he's like, yeah, but the difference with Rich is like, I'm not saying he can't have one. I'm saying that I don't want him to. And I'm going to explain, because I have still got a motorbike, I'm going to explain what the risks are. Now, his friend has got a motorbike and all he does is talk to him about... So he came around the other day wearing a T-shirt, not wearing a protective jacket. And Ben's like, don't you realise that you really definitely should be wearing a protective jacket? So it's interesting, isn't it, that the messages, although we haven't prevented him from getting... Although, if it was my say... Absolutely not. He's not getting a motorbike. You watch him ride a bike, Bex. I don't think you could watch him go off on a motorbike. Oh, my God. No. No way. But he is using the lessons that he's learned, those life skills from Rich, because he knows if you go on a motorbike, you're head to toe in protective gear. You know, should the worst happen, God forbid, at least you would have done everything you could to remain safe. So that kind of thing, I think, is rather that's kind of, again, if we talk about this scale, that's kind of in the middle. You've given Mm -hmm. them you're not saying no, absolutely not. But you're not saying right off you go do what you like. You're in the middle and going, okay, these are the the risks. Yeah. And that's it. It's striking Mm -hmm. a balance, I think. And the balance is hard. There's no two ways about that. It is really hard. And it's it, it's weird, isn't it? Because lots of people will always say, well, when we were younger, there wasn't so much traffic on the road. That's a classic. Um, which is true to a point. One of Rich's friends said, we used to play on the road and someone would shout, car, and we'd all run off it. Uh, but now you couldn't do that because it'd literally be car, 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 yep. car. <laughs> In fact, when Rich's friends were younger, it was horses, obviously. <laughs> Carts. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, if you look back when the, we were all in cars, half of us weren't in car seats. Yep. So... Safety is different. Yes, there were less cars, but the cars probably weren't as safe as they are now. Like, we we evolve and we change. I'm not saying, you know, our roads are much faster, That you know, and that we have got to be aware of. But it's teaching our children road safety. It's teaching our children about those things. It's not about saying to them, no, you just can't do that or you can't be, you know. We have to teach them. And from teaching them, Sometimes we have got to just, you know, allow them to have those moments of to practice. And so it might be going down a quiet road where you know there's very little traffic or you are there in if you live in a cul-de-sac and you stand at the end of the cul-de-sac and you allow your child to play that and then you go... There is a car coming and what we have to do is do this and all those sorts of things. It's 
it's all about kind of being there but not kind of doing everything and shutting everything down but also not the opposite either but like just some of the terms I think everyone's heard about kind of the tiger parent but we were looking at all the you others. You see, I hadn't. I hadn't had heard of that. Oh, wow. Tiger yeah, parenting is real. No, so explain what a tiger parent... A tiger parent is a very strict parent. Very kind of authoritarian. Like you said earlier, kind of having um, quite strict regimes. We're doing this, we're doing that. There's timings for everything. Um, it's very much about kind of success, for our children um and so it might be that studies are very important it would be that you have your hobbies and you have your tutors and you have like tiger parenting is quite intense and quite strict oh, well very strict actually would it would it be mainly focused on academic and sporting kind of achievement but everything like your life becomes on that like you have to be successful in all of it you'll be doing lots of activities to be you know you wouldn't have a huge amount of downtime so is that not the same as helicopter parenting then no so helicopter parenting is very much about being incredibly involved in everything to do with your child's life so that's where you kind of direct the life and so you're kind of you're you're just involved in it rather than um, they sort of always hovering. So like at the at the park, you would see that parent being, oh, oh, no, you know, don't do that. Let's go and play on that. You, you need to play on this or you need to leave that other child alone. We, you know, we're not playing. And it might be, oh, you need to come and do this. You need to, oh, I need to do this for you. It's not allowing any kind of ability to just be they are very similar but I think it's very much about that hovering so would a tiger parent be more like we're going to do a directed activity in order to make to ensure you learn something from it rather than even hovering it's more about yeah yeah because yeah we when we were looking there's so many different types I didn't I I couldn't believe it like there was jellyfish parenting which I thought was hilarious laid laid back relaxed and flexible going with the flow following the children's lead don't set rules so almost that's like we said that's kind of at the completely free let them do what they like kind of thing isn't mm -hmm. it and then there's elephant parenting so complete exact opposite to uh, tiger parenting so these would be very much about kind of nurture if you think about the animal that kind of nurturing that kind of loving instead of being harsh and strict they're going to be very much about giving their child space to kind of lead their life how they want to um, very responsive wouldn't raise their voice those sorts of things so I think think the animal and then you can kind of often see how that kind of trait goes i think my favorite only just because i think the animal's really cute but like a dolphin parent i'd absolutely no idea that it even existed um and it's a very different from many of the styles so basically it's practice a balance of everything 
while parenting. So they set rules and regulations, but at the same time, they give freedom in life. Um, And so parents are adaptive in nature and will adapt themselves according to their child's needs and requirements. I love that explanation. That sounds lovely, doesn't it? Yeah. And and do a bit of squeaking as you go. Sorry. (laughs) Did you actually just do that? You did, didn't you? (laughs) There's a dolphin. They're so cute, aren't they? (laughs) What parent are you then, Bex? I kind of feel like I... I don't know. I think I do give them freedom. Um, I think probably... I I feel like I, I'd like to think I'm a bit of an elephant. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely not a jellyfish. That's 100% not a jellyfish. <laughs> I am... I am probably quite... I think I'm probably quite strict, but in terms of pe- the children know their boundaries... So I think that I am good, like they know how far they can push it. But I'm not really sure that I fit particularly into any of them, I have to say. I'm not sure that matters, but I don't, I mean, I'm sure we would find one. I think you're quite dolphin-like. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, I do. What was dolphin again? So practice um, a balance of everything. So set rules and regulations, but at the same time, give kids enough freedom in their life. Mm. Yeah, I do. I mean, I think sometimes I have to try and fight quite hard. I think you have to kind of go, I've really got to try hard here not to go, what are you doing? Like sometimes Ben goes out with his friends or Amy go out, goes out with her friends and you're like, what are they going, What what's going to happen? You know, I, f- I feel it's harder now as an, a teen parent mm-hmm. but you know one of these, I think one of them I've just seen, which probably is the last one we maybe mentioned, but there's a lawnmower parent <laughs> I mean I think that's like oh my god so they literally cut down any obstacle that stands in their child's <laughs> way so whatever happens they're like no you, that will not be in your way I will prevent that happening <laughs> oh my goodness that's hard work though as well isn't it but that's a very protective instinct it's like no I want you you know I'm going to do everything for you for you to have everything and anything you need but if you have that approach what does your child learn that actually everything is done for them and you will solve everything for them which is fine when they're little but what happens when they're off. That's even almost like more extreme than helicopter, isn't it? I mean, helicopter, you're just going, you're hovering around, you're making sure, but potentially you're not make, cutting things out, you know, bringing things mm-hmm. out of their way, are you? I mean, that that feels like, like you say, they're never going to have any life skills whatsoever because they're never going to face a challenge. It feels quite right. cruel, really, in and some respects. And to never face a challenge would just be... they are going to face challenges without a doubt like how do they manage challenges with their peer group when you're not there Mm. that's and then actually what you do is then leave them in a situation that they can't handle and then that starts a cycle of something that needs a huge Mm. amount of support going forward 
God, I tell you, parenting, what a minefield. It's it just, it, it. I think there's so many different influences. And I think now, I mean, we were talking earlier, just kind of maybe to finish off, about things like technology and how yeah. that's changed in terms mm-hmm. of us being able to monitor. You know, so now children are, I mean, I don't know, you probably know better than me. How young now do children get given a mobile phone to kind of so that parents and they can contact them? Well, the on... I don't know the act like if any research has been done on it, but a lot of people I would typically say in year six ready for going to senior school because then they can contact when they need picking up and all those sorts of things. So they kind of get them in year six to practice and then they have them ready for year seven. Um, but then I was listening to a um, interview with Stephen Bartlett the other day, and obviously a lot of his stuff is all to do with being on technology and everything else and someone said if you had children when would you give them a mobile phone and he's like 16 and it's like yeah but you haven't had children yet and your yeah. <laughs> and your children how are you going to not do it when technology is surrounding them and their peer group have it and actually, as a parent, how are you going to feel when you can't get hold of them? Because that is the now thing. Everyone thinks they can get hold of it, mm. anyone at any time. And, you know, I I look at it now and even baby monitors. My parents didn't have a baby monitor for me. And then the baby monitors come in with sound, which you always just had it on and you could hear. And now we have video baby monitors and we can watch them sleeping in their room. And then we've gone even more now where your monitors can actually monitor breathing and they can monitor all different things. And you're there going, wow, we are, we're starting young. And Mm. I'll say now, sometimes when I'm, you know, nannying still and they don't have a video monitor, I'm like, um, how do we see them? How do we know what's going on? And I'm thinking, we didn't used to have them. We used to just be able to hear no. them. But the problem I think now is we are so reliant on the whole, on technology. And like you say, you know, everybody needs to kind of be 100% contactable. People need to be able to monitor where people are, what they're doing, what they're thinking, what they're going to be doing next. And that that's quite hard isn't it Mm -hmm. um you know I I do find that um that has that has been the massive change but being a it does make being a parent if you don't get overly obsessed by it it does make it a bit easier it really does so for example if you've got a child that messages you and say can you pick me up and you're like, where are you? And they're like, I don't really know. Well, you can, even if you haven't got my stalker app, you could find them on, you know, some other means, you know, on a Snapchat map or what three words or, you know, there's so many ways you could find them, even if you didn't have my stalker app. <laughs> Although, I'll tell you a little story on the old stalker app situation. Um, I'm not going to name names, but... Uh, I know another family who have the stalker app and their 
child had gone out and then there was a strict rule needed to be home by eight and at five to eight got the message can I stay out a bit longer and parent replied saying well where are you and it's like oh we're still you know they'd gone on the train somewhere so they were about they needed to get the train home apparently and she's like well you should have got the train you should have been back but okay well you're not going to get back for eight o'clock now are you because you still got to get the train yeah 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 but I'll come home I'll be home by this point parent put the phone down check the stalker app had got the train was back in the town that they live in but had died decided that they wanted to go off and get chips and goodness knows what with friends but that was a way of buying time to say that they'd stayed kind of half an hour away so parent rings back and goes haven't got a problem with you staying out i've got a problem with you lying to me and the response was you've checked that app (laughs) yeah and she's like, I wouldn't need to use the app if you didn't lie. And she's like, but you wouldn't know if I was lying if you didn't check the app. It is so. trust both ways, though. Yeah. And that you have got to trust. But I think, yeah, it technology, it's a hindrance, but it is also quite positive. Yeah, yeah. sometimes. Well, I think, um, honestly, there's so much there, you mm. know, in terms of different styles and the pitfalls things that you kind of go down, the way that parenting's changed, the stuff that we've got at our fingertips is just mind-blowing now. It really is. Um, But, well, we've given it a good little chat, Claire. (laughs) Yeah, and, you know, and actually, uh, you parent how you want to parent, but I think have conversations hmm. with those other people who help you parent to make sure that you're all on the same page and that sometimes there are going to be ways that you've approached something that maybe could be tweaked, could be different the next time that would in, you know, make you feel better, but also help your child as well. So I think it's just reflecting on mm. how you're approaching certain situations in order to give your child those life well, skills for the future. That is very, that's very true because if someone comes to you and says, dad said it would be okay. Yeah. If you then go, I know he didn't, because you know exactly, if you've had that conversation, you know exactly that you're, you know that you would give exactly the same Mm -hmm. answer. Consistency makes them feel much safer with what's going on as well, doesn't it? So I have to caveat, by the way, my story earlier about my parents letting me come in at whatever time, because they (laughs) did let me come in at whatever time. But what I didn't know until much later was that my dad used to stay in his study until he heard the front door go and then he'd run upstairs. So even although he, they'd said, my mum told me this, she'd be asleep, but, <laughs> but my mum said, your dad would always wait till you'd come home, but then he'd run upstairs. So that's quite sweet, isn't that it? That is very cute. <laughs> However, he'd have had no, absolutely no idea what to do had we not come home because no. he wouldn't have known where we were. No stalker apps in 1980. <laughs> 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 oh, dear. <laughs> Uh, Well, that's us then, I think, for today. Thanks for listening. That's everything for today. Thanks for listening. If there's something you'd like us to talk about, we'd love you to get in touch and let us know. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at Bespoke Family or head to our website. The links are in our show notes. 
Make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss the next episode and please give us a rating or review if you like what you hear. We're Bex and Claire and we'll be back soon with another episode of Newborn to Teen and everything in between. See you then. Thank you.